0: He was perhaps one of the strangest yet most remarkable judges ever. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. I'm Janice. And today we are talking about Samson. What an amazing man. There's a secret that is revealed to a woman. We'll talk about that and much more later coming up, but Corey and Ryan are here to tell us what they're doing. Corey,
1: I'm going to be taking a look at the people group of the Philistines as spoken of in this book of Judges. Ryan?
2: What is the Book of Judges really all about? Well, I can tell you this, it's more than just an account of Israel's dark history between Joshua's conquest of Canaan and the rise of King David.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. And a judge is somebody who is a moral leader. So that's very interesting. Uh, Okay, Janice, what'd you do?
3: My segment today is called, Who's Your Support?
0: All right, very good. Well, my support is God and uh, we want to encourage you to read his word. We're gonna do that in just a second. And as we do, open up your Bible and listen to what the Lord says to you.
3: Judges 16, verses 1 through 17. Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went in to her. When the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place, and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city, and the two gateposts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him, and find out where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver." So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies, and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings not yet dried and she bound him with them. Now men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room. And she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, "'Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. "'Now please tell me what you may be bound with.' So he said to her, "'If they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, "'then I shall become weak and be like any other man.' Therefore Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, "'The Philistines are upon you, Samson.' And men were lying in wait, staying in the room. But he broke them off his arms like a thread. Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom. So she wove it tightly with the batten of the loom and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled out the batten and the web from the loom. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass, when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him, so that his soul was vexed to death, that he told her all his heart, and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Judges chapter 16, verses 1 through 17.
0: Judges 14, 15, 16, and 17. One of the most amazing tragic stories from the book of Judges comes in chapters 13 to 16. The man's name was Samson, and he was the only judge in Israel to have had inconceivable strength. However, that was not the problem. The difficulty for Samson began with his pride And came to fruition when he revealed the secrets of his strength to a woman he seemingly loved, named Delilah. Delilah was not an Israelite, but a Philistine. And it seems that she really did not care about the welfare of Samson, but only for her own pleasure and gain. It would be to Delilah that Samson would ultimately let the true source of his power be known. The secret would set Samson up to later commit suicide, so to speak. Nevertheless, God would use this man to make an impact on the Philistines who were in the land, yet shouldn't be. The secret of Samson's strength was given to the Philistine men, and his downfall was swift and sure. But Samson's faith would not let him fall without taking the Philistine culture down with him. Absolutely fascinating, this is unbelievable. Take out your Bible guide and go to that page. We're gonna talk about the secrets today and I'm gonna pray right now, Father in Jesus' wonderful name, this is what we pray. We pray that you would speak to us today about who you are and Samson, the Nazarite vow and all of that. Help us to see and hear what you've said in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit, And we said together, amen and amen. Now, most people think of Samson and they think of Delilah, but let's look at this a little bit closer because womanizing was one of Samson's problems from Judges chapter 16, verses one to three. Now, Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went to her. And when Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city they were quiet all night, saying in the morning, when it's daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight, and then he arose at midnight, and he took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts and pulled them up bar and all, and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill. That paste he brought, this guy was strong. Samson's strength was stunning. Now God gives supernatural endurance and strength in our faith when we do his will, beloved. God helps us be strong. And there are many people we know who know the Lord and love the Lord, and they're strong. What is it that got Samson? What is it that got him in the end? Very interesting. Judges chapter 16, verses 4 and 5 say, Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Delilah, entice him and find out where his great strength lies. And by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Wow. Delilah was paid off by the Philistine men to gain Samson's source of power. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now let me tell you something. That's 1 Timothy 6. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. I, I want to tell you, we, we are not here designed just to make money. We're here designed to Learn the eternal principles of God to commit our lives to the Lord and to do things his way. That's what's important to us. Let's get that back as the center of our thinking. Let's follow God and learn what he does because that's important. Now, if we don't, things are going to change. Let's read on. This is Judges chapter 16, verse 6 to 17, a long read. So Delilah said to Samson, please. Tell me where your great strength lies, and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, Well, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, yet not dried, then I shall become weak, and be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room. And she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he immediately got up and broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me what you may, what you may be bound with. And so he said to her, Well, if they bind me securely with new ropes, new ropes, that's the secret right there, that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Therefore Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men were lying in wait, staying in the room. But as he broke them off his arms like a thread, wow delilah said to samson until now you have mocked me and told me lies tell me what you may be bound with and he said to her if you weave seven locks of my head into a web of loom so she wove it tightly with the batten of loom and said to him the philistines are upon you samson but he awoke from his sleep and pulled out the batten and the web from the loom and then she said to him How can you say, oh, here it comes. (laughs) Samson, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? There it is right there. That's it. You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death that he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. And if I am shaven, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And that's exactly what happened. Samson finally gives in to Delilah's daily persistence. Number three, Samson finally gives in to Delilah's daily persistence, we must get away from temptations. Get away from temptations in order to get free from foolishness. Beloved, God knows that we're tempted. God knows, you know, when we, when we say no to temptation, we like to flirt with it. You know, I'm, I'm going touch you a little bit, but you know, stay. no. Paul said to Timothy, run, flee, take off, man. Get away from temptation. This is a really important key for us to know today. If we serve God or trying to, we need to flee from the temptation that will overcome us if we stay in the situation, whether that means new friends, new places to go, new things to do. We need to do it. Church is a good place to start. We need to get away from our temptations and allow God to work. Hi, Rod Henry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right. On your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there.
2: Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study, and you know, we've been reading through the book of Judges, and to go along with that, I thought it would be really helpful to ask a fundamental question, and that is, what is this book really all about? Well, at first it might seem to be just a straightforward account of the sad history between Joshua's conquest of Canaan and the rise of David. And yes, it does do that. But when you take a closer look, there's a specific message the writer of Judges is trying to convey. So let's see if we can't discover what that message is. On the surface, Judges appears to be a simple and straightforward account of Israel's dark history between Joshua's conquest of Canaan and the rise of David. As a matter of fact, apart from the brief story of Ruth, Judges provides the only extant account of this particular time period. And yet, as Bible scholar J. Allen Groves points out, the recounting of that history was not its primary purpose. Indeed, composed some time after David had become king, Judges was written to the Israelites to address the difficulty that their leaders, the Judges, had had in leading God's people to fear the Lord and keep covenant. Failure to follow the Lord by fearing him and keeping his covenant threatened Israel's continued peace and presence in the Promised Land. Thus, Judges calls the Israelites to consider carefully whom they would follow. More particularly, Judges' purpose is number one, to demonstrate the failure of Israel's leadership to pass on the knowledge of God to the next generation or to lead them in covenant keeping. And number two, to argue for a better leader, a covenant-keeping king, not a judge. From Judah, not Benjamin. David, not Saul. Though David and Saul are never mentioned by name in Judges, the tribes of Judah and Benjamin are contrasted many times. In fact, the book opens by noting the crisis in leadership created by Joshua's death and God's answer that Judah would lead Israel in completing the conquest. Judges then continues by outlining the general success of the tribe of Judah in taking their allotted inheritance and the almost universal failure of the other tribes to do likewise, with the tribe of Benjamin being first on that list. Benjamin also instigated a civil war in Israel, causing all the other tribes to war against him. Interestingly, while scholars have only been able to roughly date the book of Judges to some time after David rose to power, this anti-Benjamite and pro-Judahite narrative has led some to suspect that it was probably written in the period when there were two viable candidates for the throne: one from the house of David, and the other from the house of Saul. That is the period when David was king in the south in Hebron, and Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, was king of the ten northern tribes in Ephraim. If this is correct, then the writer of Judges was encouraging his fellow Israelites to choose and follow King David. Unfortunately, David's godly leadership died with him, and most of his heirs proved to be complete moral failures, which once again sent the nation into a downward spiral, culminating in God's judgment upon them. And so, the Old Testament story as a whole still cries out, like the book of Judges does, for a leader who would be faithful to God and lead his people in keeping covenant. Significantly, that cry is answered in Christ Jesus, who of course was also from the tribe of Judah and descended from David. Therefore, the book of Judges called its original audience to follow a king who would lead them in knowing and fearing the Lord. And now it issues the same call to us, except that the king to follow is no longer David, but Jesus. So, Judges' purpose wasn't to recount the history of the Judges just for the sake of having a record of it. The reason it was recounting Israel's history seems to be a warning. It was a warning to the Israelites to make sure that they appointed proper leadership. A king, not a judge. From the tribe of Judah, not Benjamin. David, not Saul. This plea Judges makes may suggest that the book was actually written in the period when there were two viable candidates for the throne, one from the house of David and the other from the house of Saul, which was the time period when David was king in the south and Saul's son Ishbosheth was king of the north. Now, if this is right, then Judges was clearly pleading with the Israelites to choose and follow King David. And what's so significant is that in the light of the New Testament, Judges also calls all of us to follow a king. But the difference is that the king is no longer David, but Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords.
0: I find this fascinating. This is absolutely great, Ryan, Uh, excellent, very good. And when we we make the decision of who to follow, we are committed to that person, and that's the decision that we are making in these days, right now, in the time of grace. Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, between Jesus Christ or not. And uh, so the enemy of our soul is real, but Jesus Christ is also real. Very interesting. Make your decision today. Corey.
1: Well, continuing to speak about enemies, we see in the book of Judges that often the enemy of Israel was Israel herself. You know, not great. But there were also a lot of external enemies that she was facing that made life extremely difficult. And one of these enemies, as highlighted, here in the history of Samson is of course the Philistines. So let's take a look at this people group. In the Bible the Philistines show up in the book of Judges as fierce enemies of Israel. Their attacks and military pressure was so great that it eventually caused the Israelites to demand a king, trading their tribal, judge-oriented government structure for a more traditional one. Archaeological remains from their cities agree with the Bible that the Philistines occupied the coastal land of Canaan without any major pushback for about 150 years, until the time of King David. But how did they get there? Today, there is general agreement among scholars that the Philistines were settled in Canaan as Egyptian garrison troops after they were defeated by Pharaoh Ramses III. This theory was first developed by William F. Albright in the 1920s and 30s as he sought to harmonize reliefs and documents from ancient Egypt with the archaeological data. Carved on the walls of Ramses III's mortuary temple are scenes of a two-pronged battle between the Sea Peoples, a part of whom were the Philistines, and Egypt. In the accompanying inscription, it is claimed that the Sea Peoples attacked by land and sea and they were more or less crushed by Ramesses. So then, if the Philistines were crushed in their attack against Egypt, how could they have settled and prospered in one of the most desirable areas of Canaan? In the most remarkably preserved Egyptian papyri known today, also dated to the reign of Ramses III, the fate of the Sea Peoples is said to have been forced servitude and resettlement in Egyptian strongholds. Therefore the theory has become that Pharaoh resettled the Philistines in Canaan as Egyptian subjects. While this is the prevalent theory in scholarship today, there is another theory put forward by biblical archaeologist Dr. Bryant Wood, who instead believes the archaeological data in the Canaanite cities is best explained by the Philistines arriving in Canaan first as conquerors on their way to Egypt, then after a defeat on Egypt's border, they would have turned back to their successfully taken land and settled there the coastal plain of Canaan during the time period of the Israelite judges. You know, the history of Israel is diff- is really interesting for a lot of different reasons. And one of them is that is that God continued to work with Israel even when they abandoned her. And that's because God had a plan of salvation, which as we continue reading the Bible, we're going to see him reveal it in different generations throughout throughout the Old Testament until we get to the New Testament time period. Now, I, uh, there are a lot of external enemies of Israel. And like I was saying, even internal enemies of Israel. But the purpose of these enemies is not to be some sort of, you know, sporting event where we take the side of the good guys and they're always the bad guys. They're people. Uh, but we see through this history revealed how God still continued to work with Israel, how God chose to rescue Israel time and time again, you know, for the purpose of his kingdom and for the purpose of saving humanity. So it's, it's a good thing to keep that in mind uh, as we continue reading through the Bible.
0: And I think that the Lord continues to show us that uh, we're making a decision now the time is, in my view, how I think the time is coming to a place where the decision will be made and God will... Reveal himself and all that that's going to be very interesting because they're coming in and uh, So make sure that you decide uh, to follow Jesus Christ. He's the one so decide that Jen
3: Well, we're in this really interesting portion of Judges chapter 16, and a lot of focus is always put on Samson and Delilah. But I want to take it in a little bit different direction today. And we see here that uh, Samson had revealed where his strength was from. The Philistines captured him. And on this particular day, the Philistines and the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they went into Dagon's temple to celebrate this. And it says, so it happened when their hearts were merry that they said, call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson and they stationed him between the pillars of this temple. Later on, it says, Samson said to the, to the lad who led him there because they had put his eyes out. He was blind. Let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Verse 27, now the temple was full of men and women, all the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. And as we learn later in this accounting, uh, he pushed out those pillars and everything crashed in. So Samson died and everybody that was attending in that temple also died. And so, um, as I was reading up on pillars and temples in the New King James Study Bible, and Corey probably knows much more about this than I do, it says here, Numerous temples from this era, with the supporting pillars described here, have been excavated. And it says many were built around a courtyard. The roof, supported by the pillars, was where the spectators would gather. The crowd, straining now, to see Samson perform would have put considerable pressure on the structure of the building. And uh, Samson cried out to God to give him his strength back to finish what he needed to, to what he had started uh, to defeat the Philistines. And of course, the the, the building came in. What's my point? My point, as I was reading it today, Rod, um, in, in studying for this segment, I thought, you know, where we put our faith and our trust really makes a difference. Who is our pillar? Who is our structure? Who is our foundation? This group of people, the lords of the Philistines came to gather to worship their god Dagon who they assumed had brought Samson and taken away his strength, and they were rejoicing and worshipping this god Dagon, which has been known as a fish god, but Corey, if, if I understand correctly, there's been more study done on that, and it seems that he is possibly the god of grain yep. of that time, which have, would have made a lot more sense in the fact that they gave Samson a job that was usually given to slave women, and that was to grind grain. So, The whole thing, when you get these dimensions together, it really makes the story uh, so much more meaningful. But here we see that the pillars were pushed down and that structure and what they were depending on and watching and having merriment and and worshiping their god Dagon was brought down to ruin. And so today, who is your foundation? Who is your pillar? Rod, you said at the beginning that your pillar is God. Is that who you follow? Is that your strong foundation? Because my Bible says that Christ, Jesus Christ, is the cornerstone. Is He your cornerstone? Is He your solid foundation?